You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. It is Thursday, October 15th, 2020. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. It is overcast, but football is beckoning. So we've called on the man of the hour, 24-7 sports director of recruiting, Steve Wolfong. Steve, how goes it? Good morning, Daniel. Raining here in the Hoosier State capital, sending this gloom down I-70 through Dayton to Columbus. This is our last show that's not a game week for a while, so that's good. That is the best thing you've said on the show in quite some time. I will note that young Cub reporter Nolan Wiltfong is also on the case. If you hear someone jump in on Steve's line, know that he's a dedicated pops. He is also a dedicated reporter and recently spoke to Jaden Ballard, standout wide receiver committed to Ohio State, received his All-American jersey, you had a chance to talk to him about a, a lot of stuff. First, let's go over what you think of Jaden and kind of how he got to this spot, and then maybe whatever else you pulled out of him when it comes to recruiting. Jaden Bowers is the number four receiver in the top two four seven player rankings. We think so, which means we think he, he's one of the premier players at the position in the country. I mean, terrific speed can can beat you deep. Outstanding ball skills can separate. I mean, he's the whole package. That's the wide opposition. And then, uh, you know, you talk to him on the phone and the confidence exudes from him. He's a guy that's not going to shy away from the big stage at Ohio State. And we talked about what Ohio State recruited last year, that amazing receiver class where you could make a case three of them that they recruited was the number one receiver prospect in, in the country last year. And, and Jackson Smith, the Jigba, Julian Fleming, and, and, and G. Scott Jr. And then they also obviously added a, a dynamic slot guy in Mookie Cooper. And then this year you have Jaden Ballard, who who's in the discussion as, as, as one of the top receivers in, in the country. And, and then they have Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, who's a top two, four, seven player at the position. And, and then you ask Jaden Ballard, who else do you think that Ohio State's going to close this class out with? And the only name he said to me was Emeka. Uh, you know, he wants Emeka Igbuka, the number one receiver in the class, to come join him. Uh, he That's something – that kind of competition is something that he's going to thrive on, and he's excited to enroll early. He's excited to compete with those guys, and he truly believes that if he does what he's supposed to do, he's going to be tough to keep off the field, and he's going to have a great career at Ohio State. Back in the day, I think there was a little bit more competition for spots and the idea of competing with other players. Mentioning Ballard, who's the number four wide receiver in the country, wanting Egbuka to join the crew. Do you think it's common now for the receivers to want to have more than one elite guy join in their class? Well, I think that the securest of secure people want that, but the insecure people don't. And so you can kind of tell who's got real confidence and fake confidence. And I think that Jaden Ballard is the guy that's really confident. He wants the best players around him to push him to be the best player he could be. And he understands that, you know, uh, Ohio State's going to rotate a lot of guys and there's enough balls to go around. That was a great answer. That's basically the exact answer I was hoping for. 
One more question, just to kind of clarify things on him. He's rated as our t- our number four receiver. If you look at the projections, then that would mean he has a decent chance to eventually be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, he's got that skill set in Ohio State. They're only recruiting elite players at the position, so no surprise that the more we learned about Jaden Ballard, the more that we liked him. Yeah, I do think the fact that he committed so early and he's from the area that we may take him a little bit for granted, the number four receiver in the country, the way they do their projections, go look at where the number four receiver went in the NFL draft. And the answer is in the teens. So very good news on Ballard. Our hopes are very high. Obviously he plays at a story program and will hit the ground running. He did mention Emeka Egbuka. It would almost be heresy to mention Emeka and not his state brethren, JT Tuamoalau. There's been some talk now that Alabama could be the chief competitor for his commitment. He's seen Alabama. He has not seen Ohio State. Bill Curlick's reporting is the earliest he could commit would be January 23rd at the Polynesian Bowl. Have you heard anything different to make us think uh, JT's recruitment could be a curveball coming? Well, JT's uh, always had a timeline that is extremely late in the process that was always going to go past the early signing period. Uh, The Polynesian Bowl makes sense as a potential decision date um, to put more shine on that game uh, for, you know, his culture and and, and what he's proud of. Uh, As far as what he's looking for in a school, Ohio State and Alabama make sense for the same reasons. I, I think that, uh, and you guys have heard me talk about it before, that being developed into not only a first-round pick, but being developed into a guy that can hear his name called in the top 10 of the NFL draft is ex- is extremely important to him. And Ohio State certainly has that track record with Larry Johnson uh, and, and what they've been able to do at the position over the last several years. But Alabama is a program that's also been an NFL factory and, and I'm still keeping an eye on Oregon. I mean, they're pushing hard for JT as well. And you know, uh, now that they're going to get to play play this season, it's another opportunity for Kayvon Thibodeau to show showcase his skill set as a as a potential uh, very early uh, first round draft pick as well. But I, I think uh, for what he's looking for in a school, Ohio State and Alabama check a lot of boxes, so it makes sense that the Crimson Tide. Our, our, our program that's making a late push here as well. And I shouldn't say late push. They've always been a school that he's included among his favorites. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the race for the number one recruiting class. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Steve, you have been chronicling the quest for the number one recruiting class in the class of 2021. You had a story come out earlier this week. Alabama is currently number one. Ohio State is currently number two. I guess the question is, does Ohio State have a chance to topple Alabama? And is there anyone behind Ohio State that has a chance to pass them up? Alabama and Ohio State have obviously created some distance between themselves and the number three program right now in Oregon. Um, When I look at the main contenders to finish number one, it's Alabama and Ohio State, obviously, with the best chance. And then Georgia and LSU are still in the picture with programs like Oregon, uh, Oklahoma, 
still with a pulse, but but a huge long shot to to finish number one. Uh, for Ohio State specifically, they can land JT and Emeka. Um, they're gonna. It would be very tough for LSU and Georgia to to rally and, and catch them. Um, I, I think that Alabama, if even they could, they they have a lot of names on the board. I think they only take three to four more. Um, if they land JT, obviously puts them in, in in a great position to to bring it home as well. You know, they're they're in on they're in Alabama's in the lead group for more blue blue chippers than or as many blue chippers as anybody else. Um, I, I just think that if Ohio State can can bring in JT and Emeka, that won't be the last two pieces of the class, but just those two alone put them in a spot that would make them tough to beat, uh, regardless of what anyone else does. Uh, but if Alabama were to have a, a clean sweep outside of JT, it, it could still be interesting. And that's something we will follow. Obviously, we've talked a ton about JT and Emeka. It's just a, basically the way Ohio State's class has worked out. They're, they're down to so few prospects that those guys take on even a more added level of significance. The next time we speak, as you mentioned earlier, it will be about 48 hours before Ohio State's meeting with Nebraska. Before that takes place, what has jumped out to you about the rest of the nation? I will say to me, it does look like we are locked in a three-team race once again for best team. I'll throw Ohio State in with Alabama and Clemson. Georgia, I think, has a great defense. I have no idea why their offense is what it is. Notre Dame's got some juice. What is your vibe on the rest of the landscape as Ohio State is about to enter it? Well, until Notre Dame's offensive line, like, you got to go back, like, it's hard to put them in that equation because it's still fresh in my mind when Notre Dame had Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, who went on to be first-round draft picks, and Quentin Nelson's arguably the best offensive lineman in the NFL, still couldn't generate any push against Georgia uh, in South Bend a few years ago uh, until they proved that they can enforce their will uh, on a team like that because Notre Dame has a great offensive line this year. I'm still a little skeptical that they're in the elite tier, uh, but they're good. So I can't put them in the elite tier. Georgia's defense is outstanding. I mean, the whole Tennessee to negative one yards rushing last week uh, was out, was outstanding. Um, and uh, they do have some, some, some playmakers at wide out. Uh, obviously uh, a question mark on if they have an elite quarterback and elite and elite tailbacks uh, right now. Uh, but their defense uh, uh, may just be good enough to, you know, give them a chance to to win. You know, obviously we'll see this week against a, an amazing Alabama offense. Um, what, what what they're truly about in, in an elite game, uh, Clemson. You know they're going to be there uh, anytime. You you can look for chinks in the armor, and there might be some, but they never get blown out. Uh, um, they're always in every game. Uh, I know someone might say they got dominated by Alabama in the playoff the year they had Kelly Bryant. And to a certain degree, that's true, but they still were in that game for most of it and, and were a big play away from from, from some momentum. So uh, Clemson is, is very legit, and they have the number one overall pick uh, under center right now until Justin Fields proves it differently. And, and so I'm excited to see what Ohio State and, and, and Penn State and, and Michigan have to offer this year. Now, obviously, Ohio State's a, on the short list of, of contenders. They're uber talented. 
particularly at the point of attacks on, on each side and then under center where you have to be. And that's my question mark with Georgia. You know, can you win a national title without an elite quarterback these days? Um, I don't know if you can. And, and, and so you like Ohio State coming in, but that's the same question for Penn State. I don't. I think they have a really good team. They they don't have Micah Parsons, so that, you know that that stinks for Fallon. What they were building through recruiting, they lose the guy that's probably the favorite to win the Buckus Award. That's tough to replace. I don't care how many five stars at the position you've recruited behind him. And Penn State's recruited a few. You just took the Buckus Award winner off your roster, and I don't know if they have an elite quarterback either, but they have a good team. I'm starting to ramble, uh, but I'm excited to see what the Buckeyes have this year uh, um, and, and how they kind of stack up with with uh, uh, the Alabamas and, and Clemsons. And, and uh, Alabama's defense is obviously vulnerable, uh, but their offense can go toe-to-toe with anybody if you want to slug it out. Um, and I just wish Ohio State was going to get that early season test against Oregon, the defending Pac-12 champs who I also think is pretty good, but they have a huge question mark at quarterback after losing Hebert in the first round, who's now a starter, a bona fide starter on Sunday. So I hope that was a good answer, Daniel. It was varied and it was detailed. It's what we like. Yeah, I see it as a three-team race right now. I don't under I don't understand Georgia to tell you the truth. I think that guy should be on the hot seat. Georgia produces per capita the most talent in the country, and they can't score thirty points against a good team. I, I don't well, see Zemir that. Zamir White had all those. Zamir White had those injuries, so he's you know, he was the number one back or five star back when he came out. I mean, he's still a good player to show you how talented he is coming off the injuries he's had. Yeah, so they just don't put the pressure on you offensively that Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State will. And despite their defense being loaded with first round picks, the other three teams are good enough defensively, I think, to stand in there. I haven't seen another team. I mean, I mentioned Notre Dame just because they have some balance, but the other teams, there are some teams with great offenses and teams with really good defenses. I just don't see the balance you see in the top three. I heard Joel Klatt talk yesterday. And he believes it's because the playoffs are only four teams. It's become a self-fulfilling prophecy that the good players are only going to the four teams. How about this statistic? In the history of the college football playoff, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Oklahoma have made 17 appearances. The rest of college football has made seven. So there is an upper class. We are in it and happy to be in there. We appreciate Steve stopping by. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Take care, y'all. See you on the front row. Yes, Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.